0: Hi, welcome to episode two of Talking With Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria and I'm excited to present a conversation I had with artist Catherine Hattam earlier this week. Catherine's a Melbourne artist whose work is held in the National Gallery of Australia, National Gallery of Victoria and Art Gallery of New South Wales to name a few. She's exhibited regularly since 1978, including many solo shows and she's won numerous art prizes. Catherine also grew up in a house immersed in art. Her parents, Hal and Kate Hattam, were art collectors and patrons of modern art in Australia. And Hal Hattam became an artist himself in his 40s um, after a career in medicine. But a number of their closest friends were to become known as some of the most famous Australian artists of the 20th century. Catherine talks about what it was like having that influence around her growing up and she goes on to talk about how she herself came to painting after many years of drawing. She also talks about her experiences in juggling motherhood and her art career and uh, we talk about her exploration of books and chairs in her paintings. She's included in no less than five shows over the next three months in Victoria, New South Wales and Tasmania so you can go to talkingwithpainters.com to find a list of those upcoming shows. I started by asking Catherine how her father Hal Hattam came to be a painter.
1: He came, he had been in, in like he went to the Second World War for like 5 years, six, 5 or 6 years and then he stayed and did his fellowship in London so he was away for 10 years. He came back as a gynaecologist and obstetrician, and he wanted to practice as that. He didn't want to practice as a GP. So my mother worked as advertising manager at George's, and she had three children while that, that she was, was doing it.
0: It was an upmarket department store. Yeah, so. she
1: was, and she was, you know, one. I had an I have an article somewhere saying she was the highest paid woman in Australia. So it was a, it was a terrific job. She mm-hmm. loved it, and but she had also three children under four. So so he he was fully practicing medicine then but he gradually I think they met John Percival in the late 50s John and Mary Percival just down the road from us and then he gradually started painting with them at Williamstown on the Sundays and for about 10 years then he had a massive heart attack and he was you know being an obstetrician getting up in the middle of the night delivering babies and things which was stressful and he cut his medicine back
0: so he met John Percival first of all. He started painting. He was inspired to start painting. Yeah, he went painting
1: him. with him to Williamstown and with um, you know friends of his, Charles Blackman, Fred Williams. They all and they all lived in the Melbourne suburbs. Like not like artists do now. They lived out in the suburbs, and they painted together at Williamstown. And they would go. The men would go up painting first, and then the women and children would come with a picnic, and we'd all you know we'd be part of it, like running around on the rocks and things. And then they'd go to the pub afterwards and have a look at their pictures you know and and, and but, who would often be involved in those sort of outings uh those people like we like we said it was like i think the, probably the main core was probably um i think john percival charles blackman um arthur boyd fred williams i you know that's what i i th- i don't know if everyone you know i can't remember those details mm-hmm. but i do remember going and i remember the thing of you know going to the I don't know if we were allowed in the pub, I can't remember, but we must have been. So that was the start of it for him. And then through, with those people, he, because he was a practising gynaecologist and obstetrician and he often, well, like probably with all of those people, I don't know if he delivered the Percival children, but he delivered all the other children and he often exchanged a painting for his fee and at that stage his fee was more than their paintings were worth and then it gradually... Yeah, and, balanced out yeah, a bit. But they gave. Yeah. They also bought paintings. Like, I remember they gave, bought a Fred Williams and gave it to... Because the practice was, if you were a gynaecologist, your wife would be delivered by another gynaecologist. There would not be a fee. You'd give a present. They gave a Fred Williams to someone who put it under the bed. They hated it. You know, so <laughs> at that point, they weren't... You know, they bought the second Fred Williams ever sold. God. So,
0: so when he became a full-time painter... He earned enough to sort of support Send us the family. Right.
1: No, no, he had he had good dealers, and he did sell. So yeah, yep. um, yeah, he had a, a, like I think he would have. He I don't think he felt he had the career he would have liked to have had because he came in late. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have liked to have had. I mean, he was mixing with people who had who were the in the end the kind of eight people who kind of people remember.
0: Yeah. Do you remember him actually painting? Did you spend time? And did you? Were you in? Did he have a studio? He had a
1: studio off my bedroom, I think. Um, And and I do remember the smell of oil paint. He had a kind of um, a a kind of uh, he had fly wire or something. It wasn't enclosed. He also can remember him making paint in the back garden with Arthur Boyd. They would like had some machine that made oil paint. And had tubes and stuff. And I did go out painting with him. I went out painting with him and Fred Williams to the Yu Yangs. so where would you where would you date your um, commencement of starting to pursue your life? I artistic can tell life? you pretty accurately because because when when I was um, about fourteen or fifteen, I think it was, fifteen probably, my mother took all of us to this Creative dance class, and uh, the reason she took us was she was helping a friend who was running this thing, Mm. and none of us were any good at it. And like she took, I hated it. And we was in this warehouse, so the warehouse was fantastic—an abandoned warehouse in the city. And I remember thinking, I like the warehouse, and I like doing something creative, but that's not it. Like when you had to be Mm. like a leaf or a lamppost or do that, I was hopeless (laughs) at it. And so then I started doing these little drawings. So it was when I was about 15, I started doing these little drawings on writing paper. And um, they were of the family, just like I'd draw, you know, we were sitting around talking or listening to music or doing, and I'd just draw the furniture and the family. And I did lots of them just in these kind of, not A4, but whatever that square shape is, you know, with ring things. and. I had stacks of them, and
0: and that's not you didn't have drawing classes or any formal sort of no, but there were,
1: we were. There was lots yeah, of stuff around the house. Yeah, Around, lots of house. Art around yep. You know, there was the Fred Williams steep road painting landscape with steep road that's in the NGA. Mm. That was above the mantelpiece, so you were just surrounded by a lot of kind of edgy, you know, contemporary mm. art. It wasn't mm. um, conservative, yeah. and so you just kind of took that stuff in. But it is different from being taught. I mean, I think at, at about 16, I knew that, that I, I, I made a lot of big drawings and I was really quite serious about it. When I was making these drawings, I think I was in year 10, and that's when uh, like Jan Senbergs came to the house and saw one of them you know was very nice about it and said you know he'd swap we never did do the swap but he was very nice about it and i mean it meant a lot to me well it would have been yeah yeah validated your abilities and then i can remember also arthur boyd came to the house and they took him upstairs and because i had them all around the room they were big what were they Uh, like charcoal drawings on paper and they were kind of autobiographical and of the family and um, so they were just kind of my immediate, and they were reasonably expressionist probably, really. I've got a couple left, but not much because our house burnt down in the, on Ash Wednesday. But mm. but um, I remember Arthur Boyd seeing them and saying, you should take her out of school, like she should. And I thought my parents never occurred to them to do that. I mean, there's no way they were going to take me out of school. Mm-hmm. And, and also I was academic, so I stayed at school and I... Uh, so your father didn't encourage you to become an artist. At they that kind point? of actively did not encourage me. They, I mean they, they had seen artist's lives up close and really thought that it's a hard life and that, you know, money's always precarious. And uh, I think they and they, you know, I don't think they wanted me to meet an artist. I don't think they certainly didn't want me to marry one. Or you know, it's like, so they were actively and also was academic. So. Mum, I think Mum thought I should have been an academic. So they, and, and my younger sister is one. So, and I went to university and I loved it. Yeah, so you went to Melbourne University. Yeah, and I did literature and political science, which was really about psychoanalytic theory. And I did do a bit of drawing and things, but it was really like the focus was the university work. Then I got married in when I was 20. People thought I was going to a commune. They, I mean, I married a grazier. I went to, you know, I went up to like a f- traditional family thing. It was not a hippie community. What was that like? So what was that uh, life like? It was actually very nice in a lot of ways. And it, I think it was a way of getting out of my family, like of finding a space that was, um, you know, that I could kind of escape. And also,
0: what was it on other
1: property? So yeah. it was a large property? It was on a... On a big old family property that had been taken up in 1830 or something, so it was, and it was lovely it was on the bank of a swamp with, you know, bird sanctuary, and um, yeah, it was very nice, and it was, uh, but it was like a family thing, and it was um, conservative uh, but, no, I I loved a lot of it but so, like 1974, we went to, we travelled for six months, and I hadn't ever been out of the the country so we did that and then when I came back I was pregnant with Charlie so oh, okay. 1975 so I was 25 I was academically and intellectually mature in every other way I was absolutely not because I never lived away from home mm. I had never had a job I hadn't you know it's like I'd gone from basically kind of like from home to marriage really like as if I was in the 19th century or something yeah. And also, for me to have a child at twenty five, I mean, you know, there was good things about that because mm. physically. I mean, Dad also, because he was a gynecologist, spent a lot of time saying you do not want to be an elderly gravita. You don't want to have your first child when you're old. You need, you know, gave this, he went, oh, hit you over the head with that. Yeah. And so
0: and you think that influenced you having kids? Oh like yeah, that? I think so. Yeah. And also
1: being in in um, the rural thing, they mm. wanted, you know, they wanted sons, basically. It was mm. like, um, so it was never occurred to me not to have children. But then in 1978, like 1975, Charlie was born. 1978, William was born. Yeah. And in June, I had this my first exhibition. They were big drawings. They were like probably A.O. sized drawings, big drawings on you know, good paper, black and white drawings. Yeah. They were like very... Kind of um, autobiographical and you know quite reasonably expressionist. I guess mm. I had two children by then, mm. so I remember the opening being kind of stressful because I left William with my. I must have left both children with my parents, and William had his ear burst. That you know he got ear mm. earache. So.
0: Well, that's uh, that's another question I want to ask you. How did you find sort of being a mother and being and trying to do your
1: artwork as well? Well, it was isn't? kind of like good and bad. I mean, it was good in that, that you could do it from home and I could do it from... The property was a great place to do it from because I had space. I had a studio there and um, I had some domestic help. So it, it was that was a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. I had some time to do it. But on the other hand, you were kind of cut off and also... It's been. I used to get up at five and try, you know, get some time to do it. And I certainly remember doing that quite a lot, like, you know, to, to get... I was reasonably driven, but I also did, was yeah. wanting to be, you know, you're taught. So you had to be disciplined to do yeah. that. So it was kind of, um, you know, it was always like a. you had to really be determined That's to right. do that. So what... So but on the did... other hand, I didn't have to have a job. And I think that if you could try to do children a job and creative work that's pretty hard yeah I can yeah it's pretty hard to fit it around the edges isn't it yeah I think yeah. that's you know I think in some ways I was fortunate because mm. I did have more my own time mm. uh, like then 1979 my marriage broke down like I you know got I left my marriage and got together mm-hmm. with Jim so um, I think that was like I was 28 and I was feeling like I want to be an artist That I felt that quite strongly around, you know, like more defined. So that I mean, but but you know, leaving a marriage and getting setting up another marriage, and that was like a very dramatic thing. And here Jim had three children, so it was like, what? It was a very unstable time. So even though that was an unstable time, in a way, the work kind of contained some of that. So I had I exhibited every year then, like in all different places.
0: So you were getting a reputation at that point just through exhibiting and you were
1: just self-taught. So where were you learning your technique from? I think just by doing it. I think everyone in the end is self-taught. I think that's kind of what you you work out your way of doing it. So the, when I started painting, which is the question you yeah, asked, that's right. that was not... I remember. I can remember really clearly the first... Because my father used to keep saying, why don't you paint? like and other people I remember people seeing this big drawing I'd done a big black and white drawing which was really quite decorative of a couch and a you know thing of view and stuff and it was very like black and white that had a feeling of color and so people kept saying to me why don't you and I remember this first painting I tried to do it was absolutely hideous it was like way too big this giant thing I tried doing yeah. Oh, but I kept it for a while. It was really ugly. Was it oil? Or... Yeah, it yeah. was terrible on just on unstretched canvas. And I've taken a, you know, I'm slow. Like it's you know, ten years drawing and collage as well. It's like, and I still make the collages and things. And I do draw, but and I have just started drawing. I've done it in the last like a couple every year, big, really big drawings. Okay, so with your paintings. You usually start off with a drawing. Um, it's more than I start. I start drawing that bottom, in the area I'm interested. I make some drawings, and then it might move into paintings. I don't, you know, I do actually lay out the composition as a drawing in a way. I don't. I'm not someone who just goes straight in and paints. Like, um, so the painting and drawing kind of work together. The drawing does inter- underpin the painting. Mm. It's like, I, I think that's just me, yeah. really. But, the, yeah, it's was a it been a long, slow process, painting, really long, story. And I do think that, that the fascinating thing about painting is that it is something that you you cannot get sick of. I mean, you don't... Oh, yeah, that's for it. sure. Yeah, no, I think that's right. You can always be finding something new. Yeah, um, yeah, or wanting to work out something better or, you know, that kind mm, of... It. Mm. So it's a lifetime's thing, I think. Yeah. So you've had many solo exhibitions
0: culminating in last year's survey of your work called desire first which was shown in in melbourne Um, and that included work spanning from 1978 to 2015 yep can we go back to a show you did in 2002 which was one of your major exhibitions called the vocabulary of chair yeah sure you've explored this the theme of the chair in paintings and in sculpture Mm -hmm. um can you talk a bit about that
1: when I started doing those, those drawings like really early, and that's in one of the 1978 pictures in that show, there's one of the armchair, which is like my father's chair. So I started doing the family chairs, which was the armchair, which was my father, this William, the whatever it is, fourth chair, which I saw as my mother, and then this crimper chair, which was like my chair that I had at my desk, which was like, it was like the Goldilocks and the three, you know, it was like the three chairs. Then in a long time later, like in 1994, after 1994, when my father had died and my mother was off going to see my sister in America and she asked me to go and check the house. And I was walking around the house and looking at the furniture in this, you know, the house was empty and I thought... Oh yeah, this is really like a. It was a very different perspective from just doing when you're sitting in amongst it as a child, as a teenager, or whatever, in my twenties. And so mm. I started drawing them again, like making paint. They were paintings of these, and it was like this very different. Was like me looking back at mm. family and with fondness. I mean, was oh, it, yeah, it of... was with fondness, and but I can remember my mother was like, she said, "Oh, you've stolen our souls," and I said, like, "Well, oh, I don't think like that." I mean, she was. So I didn't feel like that to me. I thought I was drawing kind of where I'd come from, mm. and um, so and and also they were emblematic. They like they kind of had this. Um, they meant something to me. So anyway, I, I used those subjects for a long time. I mean years, really. Those just those chairs mm. in all different ways. Then the ones like the kitchen chairs and the or well, school chairs, which are those wooden, simple wooden chairs. Mm-hmm. And they also lent themselves to this abstraction thing because I mm-hmm. can, you know, these squares kind of... You could start beginnings of an abstract painting. They were also chairs that we had collected as... Like, I collected them around the place and then the children painted them. And then we used them in the kitchen and then they got into my studio and they got bits of paint on them and then I cut them up into sculptures. So they're these... Uh, minimalist, like referring to Donald Judd, but they're not actually minimalist. They're like wonky minimalist kind of yeah, stuff. Right. Um,
0: also, the paintings I noticed they really work well with those negative spaces of those kitchen chairs. Yeah, and then exactly. together with those, there's a, a, lot, a few paintings have got electrical cords, mm-hmm. which introduce like a curved line next to these geometric sort of. No,
1: that's right. And chairs. Actually, what it comes from is being in a very badly renovated house. <laughs> where we had PowerPoints all over the place and those double adapters and all that. Oh,
0: really? Right.
1: Yeah, it was like a house that we never managed to kind of get the electrics right.
0: Well, it did introduce like this abstract element to it. Well, it
1: also was when children were off doing things and it was like this connections out from the family, you know, through um, email, I think it was probably by then, and, you know, it was like these... Because we did have a computer at that stage... Yeah, and they, it was that, those lines out, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so another thing that recurs a lot in your work is the use of books and pages of books and spines of books. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a bit about how that started and um, how you use
1: those items in your work? Actually, how I really started right at the beginning was when 1994, when my father died, I used the births, deaths and marriages pages of the newspaper Mm-hmm. And drew something over that, like I drew that, you know, like I do. A ne- it was a lot about positive and negative space. I had the chairs, those, those three initial kind of family chairs, and then just an area of green around them. And mm-hmm. and that was like on newspaper, but it was really a pain in the ass to stick down and stuff. It's like big and yeah. um, you get all these crinkles and stuff I managed to do it on those, I actually don't know how but so then, then I gradually, I thought well maybe it's smaller areas like the book pages of certain sort of books where they have to be the yellowing ones the not shiny, the absorbent all of that and mm. also they have to be books that I, I don't want to use any old books like there's certain books that I would not use and What, because of the theme or the yeah, topic? Yeah, like, I, you know, there's ones, I like some of the green ones, but there's a lot of murder ones I don't want to use and things. And there's there's just some things I don't, I kind of have a suspicious thing. And there are ones that also I like, I want to use. Mm. But so then when mum died, she, they was, so she died 10 years after my father. So then we had to kind of sort out the house and all of that. And there were a lot of books in the house and... There were what I found was we put them all out right over the it was crazy over the downstairs of the house and right up the stairs and we went through them and chose them. A lot of them were old and you know mm, yellow, mm. but that's great stuff to mm. work on. So because oh, the paint, yeah, reactive. the gouache sits really beautifully on them, and yeah. it's something. So it's that's just a pro that's an example of something where I've just evolved. That process has just evolved for me, mm. and it came out of that initial thing of this drawing with the newspaper and it's a yep. similar thing where it's very absorbent paper it's on top of 100% rag beautiful paper and then I put this other stuff on the top But mm. um, so I and, I and it's also like a lot of I do really enjoy using the text it's like mm. and then I have moved more into actual text in the paintings too that's been a kind of more recent thing like in the last three years or something I think mm-hmm. but um, and with the book Spines I do like like if you look in that picture yeah, no, that picture is the integrity of the personality, mm-hmm. which and is in the Art Gallery of New
0: South Wales. Yeah, that's in their permanent collection, and which will be part of an exhibition that is coming up on the seventeenth of September at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, called Art of Parts. I'll put it's, a picture of it on the website. Okay.
1: But um, well, it's it's like a lot of the pictures are, which is a landscape scene over the top of a table, which is which has a mixture of like domestic elements and art, you know, like some elements of art. There's not so many in this, but quite often I have those two things kind of conflicting, like the scissors as opposed to the lemon and, and the tomato sauce bottle and the coffee. So it's like it's all merged but like jostling for space mm-hmm. and things. Um, and this, what I can see with this when I'm looking, looking at it now because I re reworked it, it's like I... I did it in 2008 and then in 2014, so it was like six years later, I took it out of its frame mm. and I I worked over different areas. Like I, I can see mainly what I probably did. It's quite interesting to look at. It's like I did – so you can look at the bottom left-hand corner where there's like a, a Diet Coke can which is kind of squished into the floor yeah. because I've – kind of collage over part of it and I wanted to do that and leave you could leave traces of those reworkings like I didn't want to make it seamless Mm -hmm. so um and things like I would have added the camera in so because that's a more recent um image so what I've added the phone in so I would have like put so it's a thing with the book pages you can actually add layers so you can rework it so it's Mm. like it's a bit like oil paint then because you can you know, go over something, whereas drawing, on the whole, you can't. Yeah. Well, actually, we should just explain that
0: the, we're talking about the book pages. The book pages have formed like a grid of... I do um, lay it
1: down as a grid. Yep. And then I draw what I want to draw over it in charcoal, which in the, often it is a table overlooking a landscape. And then I um, paint collage, paint gouache over that. I mean, and also this has got quite a lot of very heavy charcoal. In this So all those black areas are charcoal. Yeah, and like the little head here is a head that you can see on the wall over there that Will brought me back from okay. Paris. It's on the right-hand, top yeah, right-hand side. top right-hand side, and then a clock. And I have, I like often having more than one clock because I, like, there's a digital clock on the table and then an analogue clock down the side. So it's like there's different versions of time. There's real time, there's psychoanalytic time. There's, you know, different historic time there's just different versions of time but more like that there's the time you're in and then the past can kind of come bursting in which is a whole you know thing of the unconscious so Mm. like those that's a very intended thing by me what this whole thing is it's Federation Square so it's Federation Square which is in Melbourne which is the the National Gallery like the contemporary Australian art and I think really what I was thinking about here is that like you're doing this kind of private work in your you know in your interior life in your studio and things and then you have there's the outside world like the the kind of external way that things are seen or like Mm. the you know the national gallery is like the idea of well like the art gallery of new south wales that it's like there's this public space whereas you're working as like there's a lot of it's the interior when you're making the work and then it goes yes, to some exterior yes. place. So, but I've, what I've done is I've mm. merged them. Like I've put them all on the same plane. Mm. So in, if you see other pictures, that is a very separate division. I quite often have it white, mm-hmm. like a wall. Yes, and then I've, there's I've seen it. that. Yeah. Yeah, so I've whereas that in here like... I've deliberately... So I really like this picture because mm. it's like being given an, an extra dimension by being reworked, like being worked over six years later. You know, I've deliberately left bits where you can see the other picture coming through.
0: Yeah, that adds a lot of um, depth to it. Yeah, Yeah. it's much richer. And also there are a lot of abstract sort of sections as well. Even though there's a figurative... It's quite figurative
1: in the centre. It is quite abstract um, in the background. I definitely um, wanted that. Mm. That was a conscious decision. I actually went around looking for things in the outside world that were abstract, and I thought Federation Square definitely mm. is. And also the floor, I wanted to be like that, which is like, you know, versions of an abstract painting. I've always thought I would really like to be just a straight abstract painter, but I can't do it. I need to have some, <laughs> Yeah. you know, I just it doesn't, you know, in the end you're kind of left with yourself.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of Matisse a bit. Has anybody of Yeah, it's got a bit of that. Yeah,
1: it has got a bit of that. You know, oh. he's been a big influence mm. more earlier than now, but it's there, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. It's a beautiful, beautiful work. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to seeing that in real life in a few weeks. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> oh, it's a good show, I think they've got. Yeah, I'm looking forward it. to that. Gouache was like suits me. I'm, I've used it a, a lot, and the, mm. but I was using it on a big scale. What, why do you like gouache? Uh, I think it's got... Well, it's an interesting thing is that um, it dries very fast, mm. but it actually never dries. Like, I've got a little bit of a, an, an unfinished brush of my father's that I can re-emulsify now. It's 40 years old. It's not dry. Mm. If you w- put water and a brush on it, you can bring up so, mm. so there's something... Uh, and it's like natural pigment as opposed to acrylic. Mm-hmm. It's and and as opposed to watercolor, it's much more forgiving. It's like it's something that you can I don't know rework, and yeah. you can on a plywood, you can wipe it off. That's a very nice aspect to it. Um, it's not unlike oil in the sense, and it's also opaque. it's got like much more water in it, I mean white in it than yeah. watercolor it also doesn't have all these rules like watercolor does. Yes, uh, yeah. So it's just, and also, I've just used it, you know. It's like the thing, like I've learned to, you know, cook roast lamb as yeah. in, you know, my 20s. I learned to, you know, it's something yeah. that you're just really kind of comfortable you're with. You're comfortable with yeah. I'm much more comfortable with roast lamb than I am with pasta, you know, because I did, I was living on a farm <laughs> and we had all this meat. So, do you, think, well, do you think it's, you talked about Fred Williams and your father using gouache. No, they did. That's yeah. where. That's where I got, and I got some gouache from my father. And when I went to buy gouache, you know, like a few years ago in a different shop from where I, you know, I was trying new, I know where I can get it, but I have it somewhere. And they said, oh, like, a, you know, Australia is the only place that people use it as a finished thing. And it's because of Fred Williams that in Paris and places they use it as underpainting or as like oh. a sketch for something but yeah. um, but it's more and more being if it's, it's got a very nice matte chalky it, yes it has that nice chalkiness yeah. about it yeah i fi- yeah i find it dries too fast for me i just but you can it rework it you can yeah. always rework it yeah until you unless How you do fix do that? it what you wet it you just wet something? it you just yeah. mix it mix up you know put some water and and if you get it so it cracks you just put water on if you've got it too thick mm. but um, the only thing you can't do is glaze with it because it picks up the yeah. underlay thing. So, yeah, and also it's very portable. I think it's easy yeah. to go on plane. Well, and see, that sort I think the portable thing. That is why, because, like, I was always in both marriages. We would go away quite a lot, and I, that's why I worked on paper. It's why I drew. It's mm. why I used gouache, mm. because oil paint would not, It wouldn't work.
0: Yeah. Do you think being a woman? Um, has limited your career at all? I mean, being a mother.
1: Uh, yes, I think. But that's kind of like self-limiting. But and it's also by the fact that I chose those materials. I think, like, you know, when I've seen, um, like a, again, you know, like a survey or something, a lot of my male contemporaries would have more paintings than I have. Yeah. I have more. I have a lots of work, but mm. a lot of it is, you know, put away in boxes and it's uh, works on paper. But mm. um, it's not all that. But you know, for the first twenty, not quite twenty years, it's that. Yeah. So, uh, and and also, I think that I didn't plan to be an artist. Like I didn't set out. Mm. It just kind of happened to me. But I do think that. Uh, at the moment, you know, like something like the National Gallery Victoria, like 95% of their retrospectives are male. Yeah. So there's, it's un, unavoidable looking at that. So it's hard to... Um, I don't go around feeling that, but I do notice it more and more. And, and, I, and I do think that if I'm in a room with, say, older artists, male artists, if I was a male artist younger than them, I would be treated differently. I think, you know, I think it's a complicated thing, and it needs to change.
0: It's been absolute pleasure speaking to you today, Catherine. Thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And if you're hearing any purring, it's the cat sitting next to us. <laughs> so you can hear that in the background. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking With Painters. You can find a link to Catherine's website on talkingwithpainters.com and to other artists we talked about as well as a list of her upcoming shows. And while you're there, as it's Archibald time of year, have a listen to episode one with Francis Jaco where he talks about his experience of winning the Archibald. Hope you join me next time for episode three of the Talking With Painters podcast.